One of the great things about this podcast is not only do I get to sit down and speak with inspirational guests, but from time to time, I also get to sit down with inspirational members of staff here at RMA, the Royal Marines Charity. And today I sat down with Becky Paris. Now, Becky is the wife of a serving Royal Marine, and she's also the manager here at the charity's employment and education cell. And she manages a team who exists to help vulnerable service leavers and vulnerable veterans get themselves into meaningful employment. Now, hopefully I'm going to sit down with Becky on numerous occasions and really drill down into detail about the different areas within employment and education and what they do and what kind of services they provide and who they can help. But for now, this is just an introduction, giving a holistic overview of employment and education and trying to get the word out there really to people that first of all didn't know they exist and second of all didn't know what it is that they do. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Becky Paris. All right, Becky, welcome to the Charlie Charlie One podcast. First of all, thank you for giving up your morning to come on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, For our listeners out there, this is the first in what is to be a series of podcasts based around health and well-being, based around the staff members at RMA, the Royal Marines Charity, with the idea being that we bring to you the people that are often behind the scenes. We get to know them personally, um, their personalities, how they're connected to the Royal Marines, etc., as well as what they actually do within the charity. Because in my experience of working here for over a decade now, God, that makes me sound old. Um, <laughs> I realized that there's so much good that goes on within the charity, but unfortunately we're not very good at getting the message out there about everyone who's involved and everything that everyone does. So we're going to run a series of these throughout lockdown, starting Becky with you. So again, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Excited. Let's talk about, (laughs) I will, I will. (laughs) Let's talk about you to start with. Um, Just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, how you're connected to the core, um, anything you want. Okay. So uh, my name is Becky Paris. Uh, I'm the Employment and Education Manager for RMA, the Royal Marines Charity. And uh, for my sins, I'm married to a serving corporal in the Royal Marines. Um, I initially had a background in sales. Um, I sold car insurance in a call centre whilst I was at university and worked in private medical insurance and then when I decided to move up to Arbro to be with uh, my then fiance in 2012 I think um, I had to find a job and um, I had a sales background and so I found myself with a job as a recruitment consultant for Office Angels and actually found that that was a really great compromise between my sales experience I did not enjoy selling I did not enjoy that trying to convince people to buy things as boring as insurance (laughs) um (laughs) but I I I had a skill for it um and in recruitment I found that I could use that skill with my passion for um helping and supporting real people to to make changes in their lives as as corny as that sounds so um worked for a couple of years at office angels in dundee got loads of experience in in recruitment and careers advice and how the careers industry works and um when i had my daughter in 2014 unfortunately wasn't able to go back to that job and so I found myself firstly uh, doing a short stint with Recruit for Spouses, which is a recruitment agency, which, as it says on the tin, works with spouses to find them to find them work. And, and that was a connection that I had built up actually through my um, uh, side passion, as it were, for um, 
for supporting the Royal Marines charity. Um, I'd got my name out there on, on social media and, um, and yeah, so, so that was my first, um, prof <laughs> being, uh, <laughs> being married to, to a Marine. I, I only had to wait, you know, about four years, but never mind. Um, and, uh, from there got a job at, uh, the social enterprise salute my job where I um, worked again as a recruitment consultant, but this time supporting um, purely ex-military into, into employment. And that was, that was really, really fulfilling. Um, I got to spend my days uh, supporting individuals who were leaving the forces into work. Um, and not just any work, but work that meant something to them and that, that they'd stick at um, and that they would enjoy. And uh, from there, as soon as I moved down to Limpston with my husband when he was drafted to CTC, um, I was able to go and bang on Jonathan Bull's door and say, here's all my experience. What have you got for me? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) yeah, I want to work work for you. How can we make it happen? And um, there was another member of staff who was um, on sick leave at the time in the transition office. And so I was brought in to cover her absence. Um, Obviously made some kind of an impression because I was kept on. And um, here I am, God, three years later as as employment education manager. So, yeah, it's it's taken a while to get here, but I'm I'm really happy with the... uh, with the process that that I've gone through because I think it's given me a great deal of experience to be able to to support our guys as best we can which we're trying to do at the moment quite long sorry (laughs) no no not at all I mean that that almost that sounds like quite a natural transition it's it's quite a cool little story you know you start off doing something which ultimately wasn't fulfilling that you didn't like doing and then step by step you're brought into the, the military fold and then you know, with uh, the other organizations helping people transition. And then obviously being mega biased and loving the core over everything else <laughs> that's military, you know, you, you, you took your destiny in your hands. You, you went and knocked on Jonathan Ball's door and said, this is who I am. This is what I can do. This is what I want to do for yeah. you. You know, and it's pretty yeah. awesome. And I think, I mean, when I was at that point where I knew that I couldn't go back to Office Angels, I was having a real crisis um, of identity, of my career. You know, I, I had taken that path of following my husband up to Scotland from, from the southwest. And uh, I felt like I was, I think I was 25, 26. And I'd been to university. I'd been out of university for, for five or six years. And I had nothing that felt like a career. And um, I just couldn't see where I was going. I, I was back to applying for entry-level jobs. Um, and, and really, it, it was by thinking outside of the box and trying to, to use those military connections that I had made um, through fundraising for the charity that I got onto this path. But this is the thing about careers that I'm really passionate about um, explaining to the guys that we work with is that it is very difficult now, you know, back in the fifties, sixties, seventies, our grandparents, our parents um, would know that they're going to go and work in the local factory like their dad did or their mum did. And that is where they'll work for the rest of their lives until they retire and and that's not the case now people chop and change and um i I suppose what what i'm getting at is that if you just continue to make those changes for yourself you won't necessarily be able to see the end goal because you Mm -hmm. actually know what the end goal is right um i i knew i knew from as soon as i engaged with what was warming's charitable trust fund that i wanted to work for them that that was a goal for me but I had no idea in what position mm-hmm. I had I had no idea um and and I didn't really have a lot to offer at that time and I didn't go into recruitment thinking if I get this experience I'll be able to go and work for the Royal Marines charity right it's just how things destiny how things go. yeah destiny it's destiny, destiny that I'm here 
<laughs> well, we're know, very glad that you are. <laughs> so employment and education. Now I know from my Mondays when I come up and I work in the hut that there's a team of you guys in the office and you all have different roles and different responsibilities. So let's dig down a little bit and talk about what it is employment education offer and who it is that you've got in the team. Yeah, so as you know, we work out of the uh, the wooden hut at CTC, the oldest and coldest building. Yeah. And um, we have a small team of three who are here to deliver employment services to Royal Marines who are considered vulnerable. So that is serving Royal Marines who are leaving and veteran Royal Marines as well. And um, we have... I'm, the original purpose of the team was to support those Royal Marines who are being medically discharged mm-hmm. um, because the process for that can be quite swift and obviously is not of the choosing of the individual to leave always. Uh, but we felt it was important to include all Royal Marines who are leaving the service, um, not of their own choosing. So. The, uh, the definition of vulnerable also includes those who are being administratively discharged and those who may be at the end of their service and can't get an extension, um, as well as those who are being medically discharged. And uh, there's some provision for early service leavers as well. And uh, we are here to, to, to provide those individuals with anything they could need, really, um, in terms of one-to-one support for um, getting them into employment, into civilian employment. And it's not just a bums on seats exercise, as we call it, you know. Um, it's easy enough to go out there and get a job at Tesco's. But, um, and there's nothing wrong with working at Tesco's, of course. Um, but what we are looking to do is support those individuals into roles where they're going to be fulfilled, where they're going to be challenged, and, um, and, and where they're going to continue to, to thrive and, and develop as they have been doing in the core. Um, so we've got myself, I'm the, I'm the manager in the office. Uh, we have got my colleague, Kirsty Gallagher. Kirsty deals with our uh, day-to-day interactions with the candidates. Uh, that is what we call our, our beneficiaries so the people who come to us for support Uh, she deals with the day-to-day support to them and that can be anything from uh, they're looking to apply for a job we've got advertised on the website down to I've got no clue what I want to do and a whole careers advice session on on really how to how to think about what you want to do and how to identify what you can do um, Kirsty also looks after our employer relationships so we um, are very lucky that because of the huge network that the charity uh, has from all areas of our of our delivery um, but also our marketing and comms team our fundraising team uh, we have a huge network of employers where we can connect those candidates with um, relevant employment opportunities work placement opportunities and so Kirsty manages that interaction as well and then we also have uh, Laurie Hawkshaw who looks after our funding applications so we deliver funding to uh, vulnerable Royal Marines and their spouses um, if they are considered vulnerable also um, to facilitate training, to facilitate qualifications, and also for um, equipment that they might need to set themselves up. Laurie manages all of our applications for, um, for funding and she will receive those both directly. She'll receive them from recovery troops. She'll receive them from a, uh, a, a shared system that all of the military charities are on called CMS. Uh, where she will be looking to share the burden of cost with other military charities. Um, so we, we, we do a lot of that. It's 
It's a term called almanization, which I'm pretty sure they've made up because it has the little red squiggly line whenever you write it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, it it's a great way of um, working with other charities and sharing the the burden of cost, which can be um, a, a big amount of money, you know, especially mm. at, at these times. Um, so a, a caseworker from the charity SAFA or from the Royal British Legion will visit an individual and then will put that case to every relevant charity. So it means that you may have a, uh, a funding application of, let's say, £5,000 which if it came to us directly, we would potentially look to pay for in full. But with the use of that system, we're able to make a contribution with other charities, um, which is really helpful in, um, in managing our budget, but also in allowing um, for, for participation by everybody. So in a nutshell, <laughs> that is what we do. <laughs> No, I mean, the, the whole thing you said about almanization, I think um, I'm speaking to, to Danny Egan tomorrow from Welfare. And yeah. I think that they use the same model there. And, and it's smart yeah. because at the end of the day, whilst we are, you know, the Royal Marines charity and, and we look after Royal Marines, all those other organizations out there are potentially, um, a lot of them are tri-service. So, you know, it makes sense. We're a tiny little organization with limited resources compared to, some of these bigger beasts. So it is smart to, to reach out. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, all of our end goals is to make sure that people within the military community, you know, if they need the help, they get the help. So, you know, sometimes we have to put the ego aside and just say, look, this guy needs help. Let's all jump in, chip in and, and get them on their feet. Absolutely. And I think that, um, I mean, what I didn't touch on there is that we also work very closely with the welfare team. So with, mm -hmm. um, with, with Danny and the, the health and wellbeing team to make sure that we are delivering the right support at the right time to that individual. Um, but you're so right in, in terms of ego. Uh, there's no room for it in this, no. in this arena. Um, we are very aware of when we are not the right people to be supporting somebody. I think there is a... Um, I'm, I'm pleased to say that we don't see it a great deal, but there are some individuals and some organizations out there where they will, we, we say he's my victim. Oh, and yeah. that's, <laughs> which it, it's a horrible phrase, but it, it, it is the way that some people operate and yep. it, it can, it can end up um, ultimately with, with damage done to that individual that they're trying to support, you know, they, those uh, people out there who feel that they're best placed to provide mental health support when they're not qualified to do so mm -hmm. um, because they feel that they're the only person to support. And we, we are very aware of what our remit is, where our expertise lie. And the one thing that I always say to, to Kirsty and Laurie is it is absolutely fine to say, I don't know the answer to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like like we've just been saying, you've got to keep the um the individual's best needs at mm -hmm. at the forefront of everything. So, you know, it, it takes a little bit of, of humility sometimes to do that, doesn't it? And say, look, I'm not the best person to help you. Go see this guy. Because, you know, getting them the help is is the ultimate goal. Yeah, absolutely. And we um we were actually able to identify last year in, in the research that we did to contribute to the, the strategy that we are implementing at the moment, uh, that we are potentially not the best place to provide support to, uh, to particularly vulnerable veterans. And so part of our work this year is, uh, is looking at if there is another charity or organisation out there, mm -hmm who can better provide that support to them so that we can um, not reinvent the wheel, not try and create a whole new, you know, whole new potential role, whole new potential um, part of our strategy. If there is another charity out there already that's, that's delivering. And, and that's not to say that we want to um, get rid of veterans. We don't want to support veterans. We absolutely do. And if that charity isn't out there, um, to support those individuals better than we do, 
then we will absolutely adapt the way that we're working. But um, yeah, it's, it's really important that we get it right for the individual. And it, it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, if that support comes from us or if it comes from another charity is about the individual and helping them. Yeah. Now I want to talk a little bit about, um, you've said it a couple of times now, vulnerable veterans. Mm -hmm. Now we had a chat a couple of nights ago offline prior to doing this, just to get all our ducks in a row. And you explained very kindly to me about who you focus your attention on when it comes to leaving. And I wasn't really sure what a vulnerable veteran was. And you, you very kindly explained it to me and you told me why you focus on those. And you, you changed my mind completely. Um, I did a 180 on it. So can we kind of define what is meant by vulnerable veteran and then talk a little bit about why it is they're the, they're the guys you focus on um, in transitioning? Sure. So um, our definition of vulnerable veteran is, is a little bit different to our, our definition of a vulnerable service leaver. Um, we have a much broader spectrum when it comes to, to veterans. And that's because they face a lot of additional challenges on the, on the outside, on, on Civvy Street. So a vulnerable veteran for us is somebody who is having to change their job or their, um, their vocation, their career path due to ill health or due to unexpected circumstances. So they might have a, a, a death in the family, um, um, but also following things like uh, in, incarceration. So when they leave uh, prison and you're right, we do get questioned a lot on, you know, why do we support criminals? Why do we support people who are, administratively discharged which is usually the guys who are leaving because they failed the compulsory drug test and the answer is quite simple um, in terms of the the messaging internally at least and that is the the good old saying of once a royal marine always a royal marine mm -hmm. um, you will very rarely find that an individual is uh, sabotaging their own future in that way. So whether that's taking drugs when they know that if they're caught, it will be an immediate exit from the core or whether it's committing a, a crime, that individual is rarely doing that without other underlying issues. Um, and so we don't judge them in that respect. They are still vulnerable. Mm -hmm. If somebody, if somebody fails a compulsory drug test, they will, it, it's a very, very quick process to them leaving. Somebody that we supported a couple of months ago was told, well, failed a drug test on, at, at the weekend, was told on Monday he'd be leaving and his last paid day was the Friday. Now, that guy, as I said, for whatever reason, chose to go in and take drugs and, and drive a car. Um, but he had a mortgage. He had a mm -hmm. child and um, he clearly had some other reasons for why he was taking that risk. So yes, we do consider that that individual vulnerable and worthy of our support because it is not for us to judge the, the actions that he's taken. Yeah. And when you, when you told me that um, before we had that conversation, I, I was of a, a different mindset and when you explain it to me that way it it changed my mind because first of all you know 100 percent underlying issues um you know ptsd issues with with tours all that kind of stuff you know you never know what an individual is going through and you never know their real reasoning for doing the things that they do but i think it's common knowledge that you know, that stuff kind of goes hand in hand a lot of the times. And that may just be that person's way of dealing with it. And it, it may be the wrong way, but maybe they don't know any different, you know? And then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, the CDT team do come around and that individual who's already dealing with a lot of stuff now has to face unemployment in a very, like you said, very quick turnaround. Yep. They're also, and you know, go ahead. I should say that the fact is as well is that, um, we we are here um almost as a preventative measure as well so 
I mean, sticking with that individual, had he had his last working day on Friday and not found a job to, to step into um, or had any kind of support, that is just a potential continuous spiral there. And we could see him in two, three, five years time because he's homeless, because he's in prison, um, you know, because he's got drug and alcohol problems. When actually, if we can just be that little stepping stone um, to keep, keep him afloat, keep him in work, let him know that he's supported, he hasn't been completely rejected by the core family, um, then we can prevent that potential massive, massive spiral down. And, and that, myself as a, as a former bootneck, that, just that little reaching your hand out can be the difference between spiraling and not because when you're already going through a lot of stuff and you're dealing with a lot of stuff internally, you know, and just to be like, listen, we know things ain't going great, but like you said just now, once Marine, always Marine, you need us, we're here. That can be, that little tiny thing can be the catalyst what stops somebody spiraling and, and going down and out of control. Yeah. You know, something else I was going to say was, um, you know, not only, you know, mistakes are made because people are dealing with things, stresses, you know, life and all that kind of stuff, but some people just make mistakes. You know, some mm-hmm. people can go out on the weekend, they could be, you know, having a few drinks with their friends, they can get into a fight, you know, and then that could potentially end someone's career, which may not even be, you know, you never know the circumstances. Some idiot could come up and and start a fight. Someone defends himself, something bad happens, that guy loses his job, you know, and you can't just go, well, I'm sorry, mate. You know, you messed up. You're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing. And and as a a former bootnet, it's really reassuring. And I've seen it, you know, I've seen it on multiple occasions where, the charity has reached out and, and stopped that spiral happening. So yeah, it's I mean, great. so the, the, um, the, the guy who, uh, who failed the CDT, uh, we were able to place him into temporary work almost immediately. Um, which again, it, it's never going to be his dream job. It's not going to be his forever job, but it's keeping the wolf from the door for him. And that is, that is the real, um, that that is why we're here and and how we work and that is down to Kirsty um providing that one-to-one support for him speaking to him daily sorting out his cv securing the interview and um and and getting him sorted out so yeah it, it's a good example of what we do it's it it it's um it's not something that we deal with often uh, we are more focused on the people who are leaving through medical discharge because um there are more of them but but mm-hmm. yeah i think it's a good it's a good um example of how we can act swiftly because we spend a lot of time working with people you know two years out from their tx um where we get the time to to really explore career options and and stuff but but that is where we really show our agility i think so you're talking about with, with the you know, like the two year time frame is that for guys that are facing medical discharge? Yeah. So they got yeah. plenty of time to plan and then you guys help support them through that. Yeah, exactly. So we try, um, something that, that came out of the research that we did last year is that the guys who approached us before they left were so much better off, um, than those who were approaching us as veterans. So, um, they were 100% of them were in work, they were earning more money, and they were very happy in their jobs. And that's because we um, spent the time with them. And, and I have to say that if there's, if there's one thing I can't stress enough, it is start working on your resettlement as soon as possible. Um, you should be thinking about your resettlement from day two of training. We, we had this conversation the other mm-hmm. day, Mark. Um, it's uh, it, it's going to happen at some point. And um, so the earlier we can get to those guys who are facing medical discharge, um, the better as we see it. So um, guys will be uh, normally in recovery troops if they're at a Royal Marine unit, or they may be downgraded at, and, uh, and, and at home whilst they're awaiting treatment or awaiting a medical board. And that is just the best time 
to um, to explore your options, work out what you want to do, and really importantly as well, work out what you don't want to do, and yes. um, and and yeah, pre- prepare yourself as best you can for that transition because I will always say you will be all right if you put the effort in. Mm-hmm. If you start thinking about your resettlement two months before you're leaving, yes, you will end up in Tesco's or, or wherever. Um, you're, you're <laughs> and it's great to work at Tesco's. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. Um, but if, it, if it's not what you want, it, it's not. And you are going to have a much rockier road to, to where you want to be, which is going to be um, made worse by being in a job that you don't want to be in well i'm going to give you the short version of a very extreme <laughs> example of what you're Go talking on. about here right you know what i'm going to say okay i'm going no. to i'm going to tell a little bit about my own story um okay where i didn't take responsibility for my transition so i i, I initially left the core after serving my minimum five years put my chit in started working out my 12 months notice and did exactly what you've just told people not to do. I, I waited for about seven or eight months, you know, did nothing, did what a lot of people did back in 2005, 2006, and jumped on a close protection course because I just thought that was my only option as a former bootneck. Got trained up, came home, started looking for work, couldn't get any, um, not because there wasn't any, but I was 22 years old, maybe, knew nobody in the industry. Um, was failing massively as a civvy because I, I don't know, I don't think you guys existed back then. And if you did, I certainly didn't know about it. So I was trying to do everything on my own, um, really having no clue and, and certainly having no plan. Yeah. So eventually came running back to the warm, love and embrace of the core, <laughs> thinking I'll just pick up my career I left off because it was safe to me. You know, I was getting paid every month. Um, was a little bit wild in my first five years, but came back refocused with, with a, a plan of where I wanted to take my career. And then I'm ultimately ended up losing three limbs. So this is an extreme <laughs> example of what happens if you do not plan your transition. <laughs> this is an extreme example. But perhaps if I'd planned that better, then I could have got a, a proper job. But um, I hear what you're saying. Would, would you, in hindsight, would you still have had that time out or do you think you would have stayed in the core? at that at that five-year point and, and this is where i relate to what we talked about just now where a lot of lads having personal things going on i had a lot going on you know relationship mm. breakdowns finance problems and it, it was just another thing which and then i was so young you know i didn't look at it as a priority back then and i just thought what a lot of people i think you know think when they're leaving the core oh it's all right i'm a royal marine i've been to war i can anyone will hire me i'm going to get a hundred thousand pound yeah. a year job working in plymouth um doing nothing all day just doing fizz on wednesday afternoons and going home friday half days i don't have to work weekends you know i'm a royal marine but that certainly isn't the case um absolutely and i think um the guys who um are putting their notice in i mean i i totally appreciate i'm i'm the wife of a serving royal marine um and i know that there are situations in which you will want to leave the corps um, they will be personal reasons. They they may be your your home life. They may be your job satisfaction. But the amount of uh, Marines we will speak to who will say that their reason for leaving is, oh, there's not a lot going on. Right. There's not a lot going on. I'm not getting what I want. Um, but they also have no idea of what they're looking for in in Civvy Street. And I I think you have to too many people see the job as just a side issue it's just mm-hmm. i'll get a job that's fine what i'm focusing on is my my personal well-being my relationship my finances which are so important but you have to get that career up there in the priorities as well and um you will see people who will blame the core um for their resettlement not working out I didn't have time. I was deployed. I, I wasn't told this. I wasn't told that. It's nobody else's job but your own to, um, to take responsibility. Control. 
yeah you you have to take responsibility for your own future so it nobody in the core is interested in securing your job for when you leave and and neither should they be um as far as i'm concerned that should be down to you um to to work it out and um the the argument of i'm being a bit ranty here aren't i no no go ahead <laughs> um I, I i just think um the argument of i i didn't have time for my resettlement if you've got something that you are passionate about that you're excited about you will make time for it mm-hmm. it's and and if you're not excited and passionate about about leaving and about your next career step then you need to get on and find something you're passionate about quickly to um to sort yourself out because that is how you end up on this rocky path um once you leave it's um it's it's a common misconception that every royal marine every service leaver has to go through some kind of breakdown when they leave that you have to come out you have to hit rock bottom and then you'll have an epiphany of um of where you want to be and how you want your life to be and um i really don't believe that 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 should be the case for everyone you shouldn't you shouldn't have to come out, come out of a career and um you know end up homeless suicidal marriage breakdown um before you can work out what you want to do and and where you want to be because that's that's way too risky we as as you know we're losing too many too many guys who who Mm -hmm. find themselves in that situation and while i would never say that your job is the be all and end all and if you've got a good job then everything else will be fine it is such a factor in your personal health and well-being uh the 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 enjoyment of your job satisfaction the fulfillment i mean i spend more hours a week with you lot (laughs) than i do with my with my husband and child so if i'm coming to work and hating life of course that's going to have um an impact on on the rest of my my well-being so i absolutely believe that if you put the effort into your resettlement before you leave that very cozy environment of the core i mean you may not like the people that you work with you may not like the location that you're at but you have a steady income you have a place to live you've got a dentist you've got to pay for those gym sick bay bay, yeah um that is a very cushy environment and um and it it should be a bigger decision i mean obviously for those guys who are leaving through admin and medical discharge that the decision's taken out of their hands but for those guys who are leaving of their own choosing um that that needs to be factored in um factored into that decision making because you know in in the core if you're a bit shit at your job or you don't fit in with a team you'll just get you'll get sent to four or five (laughs) you know or you'll you'll they only have to put up with you for two years because then you'll be drafted um in civvy street you'll lose that job Uh if you don't fit in it's 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 ruthless it's it's cutthroat and um there's there there's a there's a misconception that um that employment is going to be easy Mm. on the outside and and it's not as as a lot of guys find like like you say and um and and come back to the core so i have an opinion about (laughs) something which may not be very popular with a lot of people but first of all before i talk about that one of the things I always, when I, when I speak to recruits when they get to week 28, and I'm like, lads, first of all, you're never going to get another job like this in Civvy Street. This is a, a brilliant job. You're going to get adventure, career advancement, security, travel, all these opportunities. You're going to have Wednesday afternoons for sport. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. You get Friday Two afternoon. Two-hour lunch break. <laughs> yeah, you get to do all this cool stuff. But one of the things I say to them is, to take advantage of all that 
time and all those resources and those opportunities and to not to be lazy. You know, I touched on it earlier, but my, my first five years of my career, I was very lazy, you know, and it's understandable. I'm a young lad, got a green lid on my head, think I'm the best thing going. You know, you spend a lot of time out there just being rambunctious and running wild and, and going out <laughs> and, and, and having a lot of fun. But going back to what you said about lads saying they haven't got the time, my opinion is, you know, not that I'm a, a wise old sage or anything, but that looking back on, on my journey and, and my oppo's journey, you've effectively got, at its best, 22 years to plan your resettlement. Do you know what I mean? From the yeah. day you step in Limpston, you think, okay, I'm going to be a 22-year Marine. You've got, at, at its max, 22 years to plan your transition. And nowadays, I'm not, you know, I'm going to sound like a, you know, I did loads of time in the car, and I would sweat. <laughs> but back when I first passed out of training, everything was done on paper. If you wanted a draft, you put a, a chit in to your sergeant major. You wanted a course, you put a chit in. Everything's online now. I know there are yeah. lads now that are serving that are running side businesses from their mobile phone. You can do it so much easier now. And there's so many, you got LinkedIn and all these online pro and you guys that exist and all these resources now where you've got a lot of time to, to plan yep. your exit whenever you want. So lads, I, I apologize if you think I'm, you know, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate, but you do have time. You don't just have to start planning resettlement from the day you put your chit in, which for the circle of people that I mix with, a lot of them do it just because they're threaders. Yep. You know, your, your resettlement should be planned before the chit goes in. Right. Absolutely. You, you should have a plan before you put that chit in. Um, and, and you're absolutely right, Mark. And for as much as it annoys me and, oh my God, you're going on another course. Uh, my husband, <laughs> <laughs> says, what are you doing now? What are you learning to do now? Great. Okay. Are we ever going to live in the jungle? No, but yeah, <laughs> go to Brunei for the <laughs> All right, great. Um, but he he is one of these people where he is jumping on courses. He is always trying to learn a new skill um, to to better to better himself. And yeah, do you know what that uh, jungle warfare instructor's course is not going to directly um, relate to any normal civvy job. Um, but he is constantly developing himself and um, and you're so right that there are there are so many resources available to you so you've got your annual learning um, standard learning credit yeah. where you get money towards qualifications you can do things like your GCSEs through the core you can do project management qualifications um, you've got the accreditation team who sit in Puzzle Palace at CTC who spend their, their full-time job is getting all the qualifications that you get in the core accredited to civvy qualifications. Oh, so wow. You, yeah, it, it's absolutely incredible. And if you actually look at that list of, um, of the qualifications that you can get from, um, from your career in the core, um, you can be setting yourself up, as you said, from, from day one. Um, and if you if you are using your time in the core effectively, then you can absolutely set yourself up for civilian employment without spending a penny of your own money. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, the, these courses, um, so like the juniors and the seniors where you get um, various levels of um, Institute of Leadership and Management qualifications and the Char Char Chartered Management Institute, Mm -hmm. um stuff like that but then you've got um armorers can end up with a degree ptis can end up with a degree um it's it's all there for you but you you have to to go out and get it for yourself and and you have to instead of thinking oh, i've got a two-hour lunch break i'm gonna sit on my ass and and drink tea in the grots and, and moan about how shit life is mm -hmm. um take that time to go and study for an hour it is it when if if you come at it from that angle again you will always be all right and those are the smart ones those are the guys who are running businesses on the side those are the guys who know that if they stay in the core for the next 12 years and their career takes this trajectory so if i go into this sq 
and I get up to the rank of sergeant, then when I leave, I'll be able to do this job. Um, it's, it, it's beneficial for everybody because the core gets a really motivated individual mm-hmm. and that individual gets set up for their life after the core. You, yeah. can't, you can't expect to have it handed to you. No, and I absolutely, if, if I was still serving now, I'd be preaching that to everybody. Because the core, I, I, I wouldn't be putting my chit in. I'd been a 22-year man because I think the core is great. And I look at it a lot differently to, I think, some people with some of the stuff I just said, like the opportunities, the resources, the way yeah. you can build a life, plan a life, have a family. It's not always ideal, but what is? Nothing's always ideal. But, you know, if I can leave listeners with, with any tip, you know, from this episode of the podcast, it is just sit down, you know, give your head a shake and then just look around you, all the opportunities and start making a plan. Even if you have zero intention of leaving for 20 plus years, just take advantage of the time you get, the resources and, and do something, you know, towards yep. it. Absolutely. Now, speaking of tips. Don't... Oh, go, sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say that um, it, you're, you're absolutely right. And if you bleh, I've lost what I was going to say now sorry sorry I was just talking about taking better. advantage of all, all the great things of the core you know the time yeah yeah okay yeah so what I would say is you can't um you can't only look at what's in front of you you can't only take the word of Royal will listen to Royal above anybody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is, if you, we always say, if you can find another Royal Marine to tell this Royal Marine what you can do, that is the only, that is the best way that he's going to listen. Um, but you're quite right. You have to explore beyond what's in front of your eyes um, if you're going to take full advantage of the core. Now, if you are in an SQ or at a unit where you're not getting what you want or what you expected from the core, work out why. Now, it might be that you have got a, a misconception, um, a misunderstanding of what the core can offer you, and that's fine. But chances are, you know, if, if you're feeling like you're not seeing enough action, you're not traveling as much as you thought you'd be able to, look at what SQ does. Look mm-hmm. at what unit is busy. Look at, understand how the cycle works with being lead commando. Look at future commando force and see how you can get involved in that. Um, make the most of this opportunity before you start seeking others um because there are and nobody's paying me to say this but there there are loads of opportunities within the core Mm -hmm. and like i said i i'm never going to tell somebody who is leaving for reasons that they have thought about very clearly to not leave but for those individuals where they're leaving because they think the grass is greener or because the core is not giving them what they thought they'd get please look harder before you jump because yeah this is this is not an opportunity that you would potentially get in Civvy street 100 percent agreed now we're going to do a bunch more of these we're going to niche down in in future episodes go down some rabbit holes about the the different areas that you girls cover in employment and education so we're going to wrap this one up for now this was just an intro into what it is you guys do and um you know who you help but before we wrap it up, can you just give me either one or three or however many you have top tips that you would give to lads um, who have maybe got their chit in or, or thinking about putting their chit in? Sure. So um, this would be a tip for every single Royal Marine out there. Um, and I've, I've, I've said it earlier already. Always be thinking about your resettlement always um every decision that you make in the core think about how it works for you and how it will work for your future that would be my my main tip um another tip i would say is um a lot of guys come into our office and they will say i want to go into finance because it's going to make me lots of money <laughs> and there's they've got the passion of a flipping pineapple sat yeah. there in front of you. Um and I say to him, Right, okay, that that's lovely, but what's your dream job? Um, oh well actually we want to have a cafe in Wales. Okay, 
Right. So let's, let's start with that and work backwards. Think about your ultimate goal that might feel like a pipe dream and don't shelve it. Mm. Don't, because if you always shelve it, you will never reach it. If you take that ultimate goal and start doing stepping stones backwards, you will find a route to it for yourself, which may actually make those less enjoyable jobs in the interim more bearable as well, because you've got a route to the dream. Um, I think those would be the two biggest tips that I could give um, in terms of terms of careers and, and thinking about leaving. And if I can get all motivationally and, and life coachy for a minute, <laughs> you know, for lads that maybe think that you know this dream that they have isn't achievable at one point in your life you didn't think getting a green beret was achievable right but you set the goal you went through how to get it and then you got it so and anything is achievable you know if 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 you put the time and the effort in you plan it you take responsibility for it and then you take action towards making those things happen absolutely that dream is not going to be handed to you you have to put the work in yourself yeah becky thank you Thank you so much for, for kicking this series off. I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, speaking to other members of the team and talking a little bit more about the other areas you do because I don't actually know, you know, and I'm right next door to you. So I'd love to learn more about what you do. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm passionate like you are about getting that information, that education out to the lads and giving them the best possible opportunities that they can get. So thank you so much. Um, I look forward to speaking to you in the next one. Yeah, see you in the hut. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Thank you, Becky. <laughs> so like I said at the beginning, that was an introduction into the employment and education cell here within RMA, the Royal Marines Charity. I hope it was insightful. I hope it was educational. I hope it told you all a little bit about what it is that they do and who it is that they help. Please, if you didn't know anything about this service that we offer here at the charity, please help to spread the word because there are lots of people out there who could benefit from Becky and her team's assistance. Like I said at the beginning, hopefully we're going to sit down on a couple more occasions and really delve deep into the different areas that Becky and her team cover. But for now, that's it. As always, thank you guys for your support. Thank you for sharing the podcast, rating the podcast, leaving reviews in the podcast. It is my deep, deep hope that these are educational and they really help to get the word out there about what it is that we do here at the charity and the services we provide and and who we can help. If you ever hear an episode of this and you think it can help somebody, please don't hesitate to get them to listen to, please share it with them on your social media or by whatever means possible. We just really want to get the word out there about all the different services that it is that we offer. Guys, that's it for now. Thank you, like I said, as always, for all of your support and I will see you on the next episode of the Charlie Charlie One podcast.